0: Turn your Bibles to John chapter 21, please. John chapter 21. And Brother Austin read this a little while ago. I'm gonna read beginning in verse 15. Most of you are aware of what had happened to Simon Peter. He was one of the best friends the Lord had. There was an inner circle called Peter, James, and John They were very close to the Lord, and they were with Jesus at times when the other disciples were not there. For example, the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John were there. In Gethsemane's garden, when the other disciples stayed a little bit further, he took Peter, James, and John a little bit further told them to wait while he went further to pray. They were very, very close to him. And now at the trial, three times Peter has denied the Lord. If you'll hold your finger on John 21 and look back at Matthew chapter 26. Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee, But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. When he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech betrayeth thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crowed. Three times. Have you ever had a friend that you really thought was your friend, and all of a sudden they don't want to talk to you anymore? They talk against you. They talk about you. They say ugly things about you. It hurts a lot, doesn't it? Well... The resurrection has taken place. Simon Peter said to his disciple, friends, I'm going fishing. They went fishing with him. He was a leader. Even in his obstinance, he was a leader. The other disciples knew and loved the Lord, but they followed Peter. Interestingly enough, human beings follow other human beings. Jonathan Edwards was the preacher of the great reformation, the great revival in the 1740s. He's the one that preached sinners in the hands of an angry God. People got so convicted that they fainted and screamed and many got saved and the great first awakening began under the ministry of Jonathan Edwards. 25 years later, that same church Turned against Jonathan Edwards. Why? He preached the same thing he'd been preaching all along, same standards, everything else, but they didn't like it. So they led a little group in the church against him, finally asked him to resign. That's what's happening with Peter. Peter, one of the closest friends the Lord had, the first one to confess, Thou art the Christ, the the Son of the living God. And now, He's denied Jesus three times. So, how's the Lord to respond to this? All right, they've gone fishing. They're on the Sea of Galilee fishing. Remember, the resurrection has already taken place. Jesus appears and disappears. Sometimes they recognize who he is, and sometimes they don't. While they're out fishing, they see somebody on shore fixing breakfast. They don't recognize who he is. As they come closer to the shore, he says, "Children, have you caught any meat?" They said, "We've caught cast all night, and we've not caught anything." See, when we do it in our own power, we don't. We're not very productive. We're not very successful in the work of the Lord. So Jesus said, "Cast on the other side of the ship." without any question, they cast on the other side the big net filled up 153 fish got in that net, symbolizing perhaps 153 nations of the world that in due time, some from those various nations would come to Christ. They drew the net in. It did not break, which reminds us when you give your heart to Jesus, you're in his keeping. His net's not going to break. Now, if you've never been saved, you may act like a Christian, but you're not in the net. If you've been saved and Christ lives in your heart, and you get away from him, God isn't going to ignore you. He's going to knock on your door. He's going to do something to get your attention again. This is what happened at the Sea of Galilee. Jesus appeared there for Peter's sake. So he told them to come ashore, bring their fish, and he fixed breakfast, and after breakfast, he said, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Notice he didn't say that to John, or James, or Bartholomew, or Thomas, who had doubted. He said it to Simon Peter, who had denied the Lord. He knew Peter's condition, spiritual. The word he used is, Simon, son of Jonas, do you have agape for me? God's unconditional love for me. And Peter said, Lord, do you know that I have phileo for you, fellowship kind of love. Jesus said, go take care of the people. Feed my sheep, feed my lambs. He said the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me, using the word agape, agapao, which is the Greek word for unconditional love, God's love. And Peter said, Lord, I have fellowship, phileo, for you. She said, feed my lambs and feed my sheep. Third time, Jesus used the word that Peter was using. If you notice in the text, it broke Peter's heart. Simon, son of Jonas, do you have fellowship, love for me, coineo? Phileo. And then Peter's heart was broken. He said, Lord, you know I have phileo for you. It's as if he's saying, that's the best I've got. And Jesus said, feed my lambs and my sheep. Then a little bit later, he said, follow me. The years ahead turned out to be Peter's greatest years. He began to follow the Lord, and after a while, it was agape love that led him to serve the Lord, led him to preach a gospel that 3,000 people responded to on the day of Pentecost, that eventually led him to be crucified upside down for his Lord. There are two or three things we need to notice in this. Number one, notice that when a person gets away from God, God takes the initiative to bring him back. Now, if you're lost and you say no, 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 no to the Lord, you hear his knock at the door, you hear him calling you, Somebody comes to see you, somebody calls you on the telephone, somebody encourages you to come to Christ, you come to a gospel meeting like this and you hear the word of God and God speaks to your heart and you know you ought to come and you say, no, 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 what will happen? Eventually, you become spiritually insensitive, you won't hear him anymore. And God doesn't bother you anymore. This used to be called sending away your day of grace. I don't like that doctrine, but it's possible. It's possible to so turn away from God and say no to God again and again and again and again and again that you can no longer hear God speak to your heart. Well, if you're a Christian, it's different. If Jesus really lives in your heart, you hear the Word of God and you might not like it. You hear there are standards. You hear that a lady's dressed all enough to come up to here. It ought to go down below the knees. You hear that and you say, I don't like that. You know why you don't like it? Because the Bible teaches modesty and you don't like what God says. Not what the preacher says, you don't like what God says. There's rebellion in your heart against standards. There's rebellion in your heart against the word of God, the will of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God. Does God give up on you? No. If you're saved, God comes again and again and again and again, just like he did Simon Peter. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Why did he do that three times? Peter denied the Lord three times. God does not give up on his own. If you're here today and you've gotten away from the Lord and you're not as close to the Lord as you once were, God isn't going to give up on you. If you're really saved, if you're God's child, he's going to draw you back. He'll arrange circumstances, maybe illness, maybe a tragedy. I was at the hospital one day, and one evening, and a family came in. Their little boy had been run over out on Morgantown Road. We met together in the prayer room, prayed for that little boy, prayed that God's will would be done. They came in a little while and said, your boy's dead. They were, of course, hurt deeply Moved deeply. A few days later they called me, asked if I'd come and see him. I went to see him, I didn't even know him. I met him at the hospital. They said, uh, we're both Christians. We've been away from God. We did not take our little boy to church like we should have. And we're ashamed. God has spoken to us through this tragedy. We want to get back to God, to God be the glory. God has a thousand ways to deal with somebody who's gone away from him. With Peter, right in front of the other disciples, Simon, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Well, some have wondered, did Jesus just sweep his hand around the boat, the tackle and net and equipment and catch a fish and said, do you love me more than these fish? Are you prepared to give them all up, your hope for a successful career in order to give yourself forever to my work? Is that what Jesus was saying to Peter? Or did Jesus look at the rest of the disciples and say, do you love me more than these do? You love me more than Bartholomew or Thomas or James or John? Note that Jesus asked him three times a reminder of the night of the trial if you love me, then give your life to service and to loving my people. We can only prove our love for Jesus by loving others. Love brought Peter to the cross. And Jesus said, Never mind what I ask others to do, you come and follow me. Gary Chapman is the author of the best selling book called Five Languages of Love. He is a director of marriage and family life consultants. He's in demand on many continents around the world in marriage seminars. The five languages of love that he speaks of are these. Number one, words of affirmation, verbal words of appreciation. Some people, this is what they need more than anything else. In between a husband and a wife or a boy and a girl, who are thinking of getting married, you need to discover what the language of love is in the one you're loving. Sometimes it's words of affirmation. Sometimes it's quality time, giving attention and spending some time with that person. Sometimes it's receiving gifts. Giving gifts means you love. Sometimes it's the act of service. You serve that person. Sometimes it's the physical touch that's involved in all love, but sometimes that's the major language of love. Was Simon Peter? What was the major language of love that he needed? Well, Jesus didn't ball him out. He did talk to him and notice it in front of the other disciples. Somebody said, well, it would have been nice if he'd gone and called him off privately and talked to him privately. He needed that. He needed to hear it in front of other people. And, And Jesus wasn't being mean to Peter. He was just saying, Peter, do you love me more than these? What did he mean by more than these? Did he mean more than the other disciples loved him? Did he mean more than the fish going fishing? you let the Holy Spirit reveal to your heart what Jesus meant. Because whatever He meant to Peter, He will mean to you and me. Perhaps it's something different in each of our lives. As we think of this, I want to ask you three questions. Do we love Jesus more than family and friends? That's sort of where it begins. I want you to notice something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man at variance against his father, his daughter against her mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foe shall be they of his own household. Isn't that interesting? A lot of parents do not understand their children's commitment to the Lord. I've seen this happen over and over and over again. We had a deacon one time in our church. His son got called to preach, and uh, this young man was spending a lot of time here at the work of the Lord and so on, (laughs) and the deacon brought up in a deacon's meeting. This was years and years ago. My son's not been called to preach. The preacher called him to preach, and he just wants to spend time with him all the time. Man's been pastor of a church for many, many years, doing an outstanding job. That father understood later that was a mistake. And he too got called to preach. That was his problem. All along, God had been calling him to preach. He had never surrendered. In the later part of his life, he became a pastor. Jesus said, If you're going to follow me, I have to be first in your life, not after your family. You can't love your mother or daddy or brother or sister or your wife or your husband more than you love me. It doesn't mean you're not to love the others. Of course, he wants us to love. To to fail to love our loved ones is a sin. The Lord was speaking in comparison. In comparison with the love you have for me, Jesus was saying, your love for everybody else seems like hatred because I'm first. Christ is first in your life turn your Bible to Luke chapter 14 let's look at this just a moment Luke 14 26 and 27 They went out great multitudes and he turned and said to them if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and his wife and children and brethren and sisters yea in his own life also he cannot be my disciple and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple what is Jesus saying He's saying, I have to be first in your life. I can't be second, third. The Lord will not play second fiddle to anybody. I've told you this story before, but it impressed me greatly. Flora Dodson was a missionary in China for 40 years. She spoke to our church one time on furlough. And she told this story. She said, my mother's been sick. She's in a nursing home in Louisville. Some of my friends have told me I ought to go go back to China, but I ought to stay home, get a house, and take my mother home and have her live with me the rest of her life. She said that's very tempting because I love my mother very much. So I went to my mother and I said, mother, I don't need to go back to China. I need to stay here and take care of you. Flora Dodson's mother looked at her sternly and said, "Flora." God called you to China. He's going to take care of me. You go back to China. She went back to China, never saw her mother humanly again. Came home for her funeral and Ms. Glazier and I think Miss Loman went to her funeral. And Flora Dodson with tears said, I did what God told me to do. And thank God I had a mother that understood. Do you love me more then you love human relationships. A Jewish girl got saved in a meeting one night. Her father had told her never to go to a gospel meeting. But she got saved. She came home and told her mother and daddy about it, and they were very upset. They said, we'll give you till tomorrow morning. If you don't renounce this faith in Jesus Christ, you can leave home. We won't have anything more to do with you. Next morning, the girl played, played the piano. She heard a song the night before in the revival meeting and she went to the piano and said, Mom and Dad, I love you very much. And here's my answer. Jesus, I my cross have taken all to leave and follow thee. Destitute, despised, forsaken, thou art all and all to me. They kicked her out. She wanted to be a great Christian I've never told you this part. She's the one that on a train to Florida asked me if I were a Christian. I had to say no. She wrote a letter to a preacher back in Louisville and asked him to come and see me. That man led me to the Lord. All because a Jewish lady who had come to Christ loved Jesus more than anybody else. So the question in our heart today is do you love Jesus more than you love your family, your friends, or anything else? Is he first in your life? That's what Jesus was saying to Simon Peter. Secondly, do you love me more than the flesh and its whims? Turn your Bible to Ecclesiastes 11. Listen to this. Rejoice, O young man, in thy ways. Let thine heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart, in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore, remove sorrow from thy heart, put away evil from thy flesh, and childhood and youth and vanity. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt have say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun or the light of the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, the strong men shall bow themselves, and the grander cease because they are few, and those that look out of the windows be darkened. Remember thy Creator in the days of thy youth. Many are filled with a desire to just serve their flesh, whatever appears of the flesh. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away in the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. On June the 3rd, 1808, Jefferson Davis was born down here at Fairview, Kentucky. On February 5th, 1837, D.L. Moody was born in Northfield, Massachusetts. They were contemporaries. They lived through those dark days before the Civil War. And then the Civil War, and Jefferson Davis became the president of the South, the Confederacy. He had moved to Mississippi. He was the South's defender D.L. moody called to preach gave his life to the lord during the dark days of the civil war he would go from chicago down under some meshed mires and wires and try to reach people out on the battlefield and tell them about jesus and try to bring them to safety both those from the south and the north On December 6, 1889, Jefferson Davis died. On December 22nd, 1899, D.L. Moody died. Jefferson Davis, a great man, they tell me he was a Christian. I've read some of his stories. He seemed to be a very great man. He was a friend of Robert E. Lee, one of the great generals of the South. When he died, they decided the world would forget him unless they built a great big monument in his honor. So as you approach Hopkinsville, driving down 68, you look five miles in the distance, you see a big, big tower. The closer you get to it, the more you wonder, what in the world is that tower? I drove by there one day wondering years and years ago. I was pastor down to Guthrie wondering what it was. I went in there, found out it was Jefferson Davis's monument. They were afraid that if he did not have a big monument, nobody would remember him. We remember him today, a Christian, but a lost cause. D.O. Moody, he invested his life in people. He would touch somebody here, somebody there. His plan was to preach speak to somebody about Jesus every day. One night he went to bed and he'd been busy all day. He remembered he hadn't talked to anybody. He got up, went out on the street of Chicago. He found a man walking along the way and he said, Sir, are you a Christian? He said, that's none of your business. Go and take care of yourself. And Moody went back home late in the night, two or three o'clock in the morning, a knock came at his door. It was that same man. He said, sir, I want to apologize to you. I need what you were talking about. I didn't understand. But after you spoke to me about Jesus, I knew I needed him. Tell me how to be saved. That happened many times in Moody's life. When he died, he carried his body up to Northfield. If you go there today, a little hill called Round Top. Up on top of a little hill, on the Northfield campus, there's a little monument, it just sits on the ground. No big thing. I went there one day, I took my shoes off my feet. thought I was standing on holy ground. D.L. Moody, 1837, 1899. He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Didn't need a big, big monument for him. Do you love me more than you love popularity, notoriety, people following you? Where do you stand in your love? That's what Jesus was saying to Peter. And Peter got it. The rest of his life, he gave his life to winning precious people to Jesus. One more thing, one more question, I'll be through. Do you love me more than feelings? Many are filled with doubts, they have a false idea of what it means to be saved, lack like of assurance of a definite experience. Think of Dr. Ironside, who was pastor of Moody Moodymore Church many years. He told about his own experience of salvation. He said, my mother told me if I wanted to be saved, I should read Romans 3 and John 3. He said, I was troubled. I wanted to give my heart to Christ. I went up to my room. I read John 3. It says, You must be born again. I read Romans 3. It said, All of sin and come short of the glory of God. I read Romans 6. The gift of God is eternal life. He said, The best way I know how I spread myself where that bed. I said, Lord, I ask you to come into my heart and save me. I trust you right now is to save me. He got up, he said, I thought the leaves on the trees would look different. I looked at it, everything looked the same. He said, I didn't feel anything. He said, I was told when you get saved, you'll feel something. I didn't feel anything until I went downstairs. and said, mother, I just asked Jesus to come in my heart. She said, he said, I began to sense a joy in my heart then. I confessed to Christ. The next Sunday I went to church When the preacher gave the invitation, I walked down the aisle, took a stand for the Lord, and as they came by, I was thrilled because I had given my heart to Christ. Then I was baptized, and he said, God did everything in my life and changed me. The joy came after I obeyed the Lord, not before. I was not saved because of the feeling, but because I trusted the Lord. I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and trusted him to save me. I was in a meeting years ago at Rocky Springs here in Warren County, and uh, that's Miss home church. In the meeting, uh, went through several nights, and maybe a few people got saved, but one night, God laid a young man on my heart. He was sitting in the very back of the auditorium, gave the invitation. I could see him struggling, had his hands on the bench in front of him i could see a struggle after the service i went to him and said wouldn't you like to be saved i said he said i would but i don't know how went into a back room we prayed and all of a sudden joy came into his life he asked christ to forgive him and save him he got up shouting he's a deacon out there church now great man of god the next night in the meeting, two people came forward and said, I want what he had. When I got saved, I didn't shout. I didn't cry. I didn't do any of those things. They were over here at the side bench and knelt and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And finally, I took my Bible and showed them that it's not the feeling. It's not the shouting. It's not the tears that saves you. It's trust. I said, are you willing to trust Christ as your Savior? Yes, I do that. They got up with the joy of knowing that Christ was their Savior. You're not saved by feelings. You're not saved by crying. You don't have the assurance in your heart because you had some big experience years ago. Some have had that. Thank God for it. Some do not have that kind of experience. There's nothing in the Bible that says you have to have that kind of experience. Paul was saved on the Damascus Road. Unusual. Peter was saved by just hearing Jesus say, come and follow me. Matthew sat at the tax collector's office and the Lord came by and said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Matthew began to follow the Lord. Nothing said about emotion or tears or crying or shouting. See, you're not saved by feelings. You're saved by quiet trust and faith in the Lord. Feelings go and feelings come and feelings are deceiving Many get sidetracked by selfish feelings, disappointments in people, hurt feelings by others, not appreciated, emotional ups and downs, natural psychological circles, depression, failures. Those things hurt. Those things hurt. And so many people get discouraged. They, They don't trust the Lord because they go through these valley times. I want to guarantee you you're going to have some psychological ups and downs. You do not feel the same every day. There are days you feel wonderful. There are days you feel low. The black preacher is saying, nobody knows the trouble I have. Nobody knows but Jesus. Some days I'm up. Some days I'm down. You're not saved by whether you're up or down psychologically or in your emotions. You're saved by quiet trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Lord, I love you, but I have phileo love. And Jesus said, follow me and that love will grow. That love will grow. When you come to Jesus, you come as a babe in Christ. Then you begin to grow. Thank God for growth. How many of you remember how you felt the day you were born? Nobody, why? You don't remember anything about it. Your parents may have told you about it, but you don't remember it. How many remember something that happened when you were 10 years old, or 20 years old, or 40 years old? You see, we're better able to assimilate those things as we grow. Same thing in our Christian faith we grow in the nurture and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. The question today, are you willing to say, Lord, I love you? I'm just where I am. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come to thee. If you'll come that way, he'll come. He'll change you, he'll save you. you begin to grow in the Lord. And when you get to the portal of death, you can reach out and say, Lord, I trusted you those years ago. I'm trusting you now. Lord, I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Do what you can to serve me. Do what I ask you to do. Everything will be all right. Are you willing to say that to the Lord today? God is speaking to somebody here today about a will or purpose of God for your life. You can either ignore it or you can say, Lord, I hear you calling I can hear the Savior calling, take my cross and follow me. If you hear that and will respond, God will bless your life. And oh, what a joy when you get home over there and you look back through life's little while, whether it's 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 100 years, whatever years God gives you here, you'll say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. It breaks my heart. The only kind of love I have is fellowship love. And Jesus said, if you'll follow me, that love will grow into agape, and it did. On the day of Pentecost, preaching, 3,000 people got saved. God used him in an unusual way to touch people's lives. And one day at the end, just as Jesus had said, they girded him up, led him to the cross. He said, wait a minute, friends. I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord was crucified. i want to be crucified upside down. And tradition says that Simon Peter, that disciple who had denied the Lord, came back to the Lord at the end of his life, loved the Lord so much. I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord was. Make it upside down. And Peter went out into eternity saying, Lord, I love you. And I've proved it. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for the love of God. Brother Steve sang about it this morning. The choir sang about it. Love found a way to redeem my soul thank you for the love of God in Jesus Christ. Lord we pray that someone here today who has heard God's love story will open his heart to Jesus this will be a day of victory pray in Christ's name Amen. Let's stand please number 163 come every soul by sin oppressed there is mercy with the Lord God says he'll take care of you so I want to encourage you to give your life to Jesus this morning. Come just as you are. Don't say no to God when he says yes to you. While we sing, the invitation is open. Come to Christ just as you are. Then if you've come to Christ just as you are, determine you're going to go on with him and not remain just as you are, but you're going to grow in the knowledge and nurture of the Lord. God bless you as you come.